All right. Happy Halloween, White Sox fans. It is Saturday, my dudes. Saturday, October 31st, 2020. You are listening to the Northside Sox podcast, freshly rebranded, freshly renamed. Uh, And why did we do this? Why did we do this? Uh, Yes, Sam and I were just off the beat before, but now we are back on the beat we are in rhythm. Yes, we are. <laughs> Essentially, as a White Sox podcast based on the North Side, we figured that this was the perfect tie-in uh, to our our parent company, parent blog, South Side Sox. So we are North Side Sox, if you couldn't figure that joke out. Anyway, I am Janice Scurrio. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. And with me today is my co-host, the wonderful Sam Sherman. Sam, what's up? Yeah, not much. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy uh, that it's Halloween, but I'm also sad that October is just about to end. We're right at the, uh, the tail end here. I do like October quite a bit. It's a fun month. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess it's just been, you know, we're going to get into all this, but it's been a weird few days. It's been a weird few days for sure. Cool. And we, <laughs> we here at the Northside Sox podcast will help you unpack the mm-hmm. recent events that have unfurled. Uh, so briefly, we're going to get into the world series. Uh, we will definitely perform the spooky postmortem of the new White Sox <laughs> managerial decisions. And at the very end, uh, we're going to do a horror movie draft, and from here on out, you can tell either me or Sam who has the better squad. So. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's, Our- it, we didn't even really need to have, I, I mean, I, I, I proposed the horror movie draft, but in retrospect, we could have just talked about the Tony LaRusso news, and I think that would have been pretty horrifying enough uh, for people's Halloween tricks. And You know what? I'm done. You know what? That's it. We just got <laughs> exactly exactly yeah um we exactly what better way to ring in halloween by hiring uh yeah potentially yeah a uh i don't want to call him a skeleton that's like the first thing that came to mind i also i also just don't want to be mean right off the bat i know no yeah well yeah there has been plenty of jokes already just like you know, if I wanted to see a dinosaur manage, I'll like like go watch Jurassic Park and like, <laughs> well, like you know what? Like, and and I know a lot of people have kind of talked about ageism as a possible thing, uh, which is definitely real. But given uh, some of the other problematic tones surrounding Tony Larusa, uh, yeah, just just the discourse in general has been very interesting. But we'll we'll get to unpacking that yes. in a little bit. All right, so uh, very briefly, uh, so MLB just ended perhaps the most bizarre 2020 season. The World Series is now over, uh, ending in Game 6, the Los Angeles Dodgers. uh, Definitely taking the trophy, uh, the big shiny piece of metal, as uh, Rob Manfred so eloquently put and uh, yeah, so basically in the game, we see some questionable managerial decisions with Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell. Uh, and that might possibly uh, not even be the most controversial baseball move of the year. 
Uh, so after the Dodgers win, uh, Justin Turner, who was pulled from the game earlier with a positive coronavirus test, is for whatever reason right back out there kissing his wife. Um, I think his kid was there too. Uh, he's around uh, the oldest person possible uh, in the in the post championship photo. He's sitting like literally next to Dave Roberts, uh, and yeah, just. The optics of that looked incredibly terrible, where if you and I, for whatever unforeseen reason, uh, knew that we were coronavirus positive, I'm sure that our initial reaction would be to not be in the vicinity of any other human beings. But of course, uh, some of the other uh, think pieces surrounding this was like, oh, well, he just won a World Series. Like, of course he wants to celebrate. Of course he deserves to be out there. And at the same time, it's like, it's not like he's being punished. I mean, yes, no. coming back with a positive coronavirus test sucks, but at the same time, you are also running the risk of potentially infecting hundreds, maybe thousands of mm -hmm. people. So we don't necessarily know the impact of that decision yet, but essentially uh, some of the things I've read regarding Turner, it basically kind of reads like a really bad, am I the asshole post? Like I, 35M, just finished winning the World Series. <laughs> uh, even though I was told I had a positive coronavirus test, uh, I was told by MLB that I probably shouldn't go back out to celebrate with my teammates. I did so any anyway, and they did nothing to stop me. Am I the asshole? And I think in this situation, it's definitely an everyone sucks. Both, I, I believe both parties are equally kind of complicit, I guess, in uh, just this irresponsibility. Uh, so, Sam, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so, first of all, I, I was curious, and I just when when we when you first brought it up, was was this the first officially the first time a player has ever been removed from a sporting event, you know, due to COVID, like mid game? Or has that happened? Uh, I, I honestly can't remember. Uh, I, wanna, I, I don't know if it has. <laughs> yeah. Just mainly because a lot of the protocols are like, like super ambiguous. And, and I realize that, yeah, this is an unprecedented season sure. and everything is just kind of, I don't know, written very poorly. And uh, I, I know that just the execution of the bubble uh, is it just kind of doubtful in itself where yeah. a lot of people were like, well, how did he get a positive test in a bubble? Uh, and so the, I guess the short answer to that question was that I, I, I don't think there really was a bubble. Uh, yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's frustrating to say the least on a lot of levels, you know, and we were all kind of watching it play out afterwards and you had a, a number of people that were talking about, oh, how much, how, how they felt so bad for him or how they, their heart broke for him and all that, that he couldn't celebrate. And then seeing him out there and then people sort of being like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Not celebrate with your teammates. And it's like, well, you know what? No, you're not because you have COVID. And, and, and I, you know, there's a number of examples that I could give, but certainly one of the pretty simple ones is family members not being able to be by their um, parents or aunts or uncles or grandparents dying in the hospital with the disease um and uh and and it's just like yeah there's a lot of things that that people would like to be doing that that they can't do um across all different uh situations so is it unfortunate that justin turner um well you know he got to do exactly what he wanted to do so actually he didn't miss out on anything 
Um, but you know, was it, in, could it have been unfortunate if he didn't get, if he had been responsible and, and not uh, been able to celebrate? Sure. I mean, relatively speaking, absolutely. But again, um, it was really disturbing to see kind of him go out there. And then you find out, like you said, that he was sort of told not to, and he still did it anyway, uh, which is ultimately why we are in uh, just about almost November here, uh, end of October. And, and, and the, you know, the pandemic is as raging as strong as it ever has because people have that mentality. So we could, that's a whole nother conversation, but ultimately um, it was frustrating seeing, I think this sort of playing out and a lot of people that, I think we all feel like we maybe know better um, and wondering almost like we were being like uh, there was some kind of gaslighting going on. I don't know if that's the right word for it exactly, but it's like, are we the crazy ones or is there a guy that has, you know, this virus that's out there, um, you know, infecting all these people. So uh, yeah. And and it was a shame because it really was a pretty great uh, series, um, especially for a season that we didn't know if it would finish. And, um, and honestly, this, (laughs) If, if, the, if the COVID test had come out prior to the game or if it had gone to a game seven, that series, who knows what would have happened with that. So um, it was a great series, but it got, in my mind, totally overshadowed, um, justifiably overshadowed by a, a, the, the act of a person and to a larger extent, a, a sport um, that, that really did not have a great plan for um, things like this happening in the first place. So yeah, it was unfortunate uh, to say the least, but um, there's there's a lot of issues with uh, with specifically how the MLB decided to uh, handle the the coronavirus um, pandemic, and uh, and it really topped off uh, in in probably the most um, uh, unfortunately uh, I don't know unfortunately predictable way possible. Exactly, exactly. And I don't know if uh, entitlement is the right word uh, to describe this. Uh, th- that's kind of what it feels like, where, I mean, like, I, I, I try to express empathy in all situations. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you know, if, if I had just won the World Series, if, 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 if I had just, like, won, I've, I grinded at that with my teammates in this 60 game uh, weird ass season whatever uh just dealing with unprecedented times uh, dealing with unprecedented procedures uh, i don't know i honestly don't know um like if i i at face value like yeah i i would like just absolutely just get my ass out of the stadium and like just try to just distance myself from people and you know you know what we'll celebrate later we, we could celebrate later but of course, too, as someone who has canceled major events, someone who has had like major life changes due to this pandemic, uh, I, I personally, you know, not to get too in depth with this, but I've made a lot of personal sacrifices just because of this virus, trying to keep myself safe and trying to keep others safe too. So I think there's kind of a little bit of a disconnect there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I mentioned before, uh, we don't necessarily know the actual impact of that decision. Sure. Um, Like, like, who knows? Maybe he didn't infect anyone. Maybe like no one walks away from the virus, which I think is the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I, I want everyone to be healthy, of course. Like that, that's, let's just get that part out of the way. But, um, but uh, yeah, where was I going with this 
shit. But <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about I, I was trying to think if I've ever had a situation, you know, I've never been on a World Series winning team. Uh, it might it still could happen. I'm sort of at 27 <laughs> years old, I guess I'm sort of, you know, I should sort of be in my prime right now or and certainly entering it. Um, but we'll see we you never know what happens. But when I was in college, uh, I had this part time job where I would hold at the I went to University of Illinois. And I would hold the the cables for the for the television broadcast just on the sidelines, and so um, at the basketball games. And so there was a game, um, I think my sophomore junior when they when number one Indiana came to town, and I was standing right under the right under one of the baskets holding the the wires for the camera, and um, there was a last second layup by uh, Tyler Griffey on Illinois to take down number one Indiana. And so again, I was working for like quote, not at all ESPN, but technically like I was like an ESPN, like part-time employee, just holding the cords there. Um, everyone storms the court and I absolutely should not have stormed the court because of uh, the fact that I was technically working, but I dropped the cable and I stormed the court because they beat number one, Indiana. So in that, in that example, uh, you know, we saw what I did in there, but at the same time, I have to think it would be different if my storming the court could potentially infect uh, you know, thousands of people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's so, totally the same thing. <laughs> so exactly. It's, it's all, it's all optics where, uh, yeah, a lot of the times, uh, I don't think, uh, a lot of, I, I don't think, um, MLB or maybe even Turner himself was really taking into consideration, uh, how his actions might have been viewed on a larger scale. And to an extent, I can kind of understand just mainly because I, I can understand the euphoria of just winning sure. the World Series. It's super great, super awesome, super important. Uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, it should be, we definitely, uh, or at least I expected better um, yes. just a, as a baseball fan. Uh, I, I always expect better and I'm constantly disappointed and I'm, uh, yeah, just left to wonder why I, uh, <laughs> and we're, we're, I'm we're left gonna, with. I was sorry, sorry. I was just saying, we're going to talk about optics, I think throughout this episode, uh, in different ways. And I think that, you know, optics are not the only important thing, but they are important. Um, and Justin Turner, you know, again, we can all understand, like you said, to some extent, why he did what he did. Um, but at the same time, uh, it was bad optics, and that matters not just for the obvious reasons of what, who of the health reasons for it, but just representative of the league and representative of that athlete mentality that unfortunately we see the the, the um, negatives of you know t time and time again. Um, and uh, it, it was just it was selfish to say the absolute least. And uh, I don't know. And but again, that's not the last time we're going to be talking about bad optics uh, in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think this is a, a perfect transition to uh, our, our next talking point, uh, the post-mortem of the signing of Tony LaRusso, which uh, I guess to get some feelings about this off my chest right off the bat, uh, so I, I feel completely foolish. I have uh, sat down on so many podcasts 
Uh, and by so many, I mean like, like two. Uh, and I have gone on record saying that there is absolutely no way the White Sox would sign Tony La Russa uh, as their new manager, because given the historical context of, of firing Rick Renteria, it's very obvious that this is an organization that wants to move forward and, want, and wants a forward-thinking manager. Uh, yeah, just there are just so many conflicts uh, with this decision, and just mainly because there is a huge ideological discrepancy between Larusa himself as well uh, and the the team's kind of change of the game mentality in general. Uh, and yeah, not to mention just a lot of the other points that ha have been brought up, namely uh, he's been away from the game so long. Uh, definitely his uh, ability to relate to players in, in this current day and age uh, may, may also come into question as well. It just makes no sense. From face value, it made no sense. And even just right below the surface, it made no sense as well. And so why, while he, yeah, he's absolutely accomplished, he's a great baseball mind, uh, this decision certainly came under scrutiny. And so, yeah, I, I completely said on record that like it, it's yeah th there's no way this is just a smoke screen that the white Sox are p obviously putting up to uh detract from the fact that they were going after more uh more exciting candidates uh, namely aj hinch and slight digression i really didn't want aj hinch either but uh beyond the point uh yeah uh Congratulations to the White Sox for making me look like a total fool. I will gladly accept my clown shoes, just mainly because I completely just blocked out of my mind the complete and obvious nepotism uh, that was obviously going um, around in the organization, namely uh, that Jerry Reinsdorf very obviously went over Rick Hahn's head with this decision. Anyway, uh, Sam, you, I know you too, uh, also, uh, like me, uh, doubted that the White oh, yeah. Sox would, would, would actually do this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, your thoughts regarding this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that as far as the clown shoes that you're wearing, uh, you know, I'm wearing the same ones and I think everyone is other than Jerry Reinsdorf, who is the only person who made this decision, as you noted. Um, and the only person, um, who I guess knew from the beginning that this was going to be the hire. Um, you know, I've, I'm happy that we're, that we're recording this today and not the, the night of, or the day of, or, or even the next day, um, because I've had a lot of time to think about it. And it went from, you know, the initial shock and disbelief to lots of anger to, you know, like we're all going through a figuring out, you know, all these different things. And, and I realized a few days after a couple days after now, as we sit here today, um, the, the, the thing that that you can't do with this, or at least that I can't do with this, is there's no defense of the hire. Um, there's nothing that you can say that can defend the hire because it's an, a, it is pretty much an objectively, this was the one person that you could hire that would be an objectively bad hire um, across the board. Um, and I think that, you know, so it, it had to switch for me from defending or thinking about how it could be defended of saying, well, there's this, this or this, um, it, it's, it's a, it's an awful decision by the organization, um, really. And I, and I almost hate to say the organization, because we know where this came from. It came from one person, the person at the top. Um, and I think that, that something that's unfortunate about it is that in sort of Rick Hahn's, uh, 
hostage video where he had to announce the hire, you know that he didn't want this. Um, you know that I think there's a number of people in the organization that didn't want this. And, uh, and, and, and to give this front office basically the freedom to rebuild, which I don't think that they thought that they would ever be able to do, um, to make some you know, bigger signings, uh, to spend you know, all these different things. And then at the finish line, when all you got to do is just basically hire someone that, on any number of candidates, when you have the most attractive job in the, you know, in, in a coaching job in that's available right now. Um, and then to just completely uh, go back and say, you know what, actually we're going to do one final white Sox business move um, and, and hire, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf's going to hire his friend. It's awful. So from the starting point of that, um, yeah, you, you know, you mentioned it, obviously Tony LaRusso's resume is great. You know, he's in the hall of fame for a reason. Um, but, but that's kind of the only thing, you know, I, I think that, uh, that's really the only, I can't even call it a, it's a positive in the sense that sure he's got the resume, but, um, there's nothing else about it that makes any sense. And I think that again, going back to the optics of it, um, and, 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 and the idea that, Jerry Reinsdorf, when making this decision, um, I know there's been a lot of conversation about did he does he care about Sox fans or does he care about the the perception? You don't have to ask that question. You know he doesn't because he nope. knew whether it doesn't matter matter whether he knew or didn't know how this move was going to be perceived. He did it anyway, um, singularly, um, and 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 you see essentially uh, the situation that they're in now, and they are getting rightfully just blasted from, from the baseball media, from the fans, um, from, from really across the board. Uh, so I think that now is the time that we have to talk about less about, and I think that again, moving from the idea of even possibly way, trying to defend the move to learning how to live with it. <laughs> because as we talked about last, or we talked about earlier this week after the hire was made, unfortunately, you know, you and I can't shut off our, our, our fandom or our interest in this team. It's just a thing. You know, it is what it is. Uh, the Sox are a part of our lives, as are a lot of Sox fans' lives. Um, so now it's just kind of figuring out how to, how to deal with it. Um, so I don't know. Have you, have you started through that process a little bit? Uh, yeah, and actually I was talking to this uh, with uh, Scott and Pierce from 4040 Club last night where it, it, it feels like being wounded, honestly. It, it definitely felt like a slap in the face for sure. Uh, and yeah, uh, like you, I definitely went through some stages. Like uh, certainly anger was one of the first ones. And then, well, I mean, actually the first one was denial. Uh, I mean, Bob Nightingale was probably one of the first people to uh, report the rumor. And of course, like everyone uh, immediately just doubts what Bob says for reason, for, for the right reasons too. But uh, this was one of the rare times where Bob was actually right about something. So got to give credit to Bob on that regard. Uh, so continuing on, uh, yeah, besides just the initial disbelief and anger, I felt, uh, of course, uh, my other reaction was to kind of rationalize it. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe uh, this was done to uh, just kind of introduce maybe um, a little bit more of an old school style of, of winning baseball. And at the time, I had no idea what the hell that even meant. That was just something cushy to tell myself to make myself feel better at the time. Uh, and then I, I really thought about it, and uh, did you, just the phrase "old school" itself is just overused, and I think uh, just uh, 
used improperly a lot of the times. But mm-hmm. anyway, that, that, that's neither here nor there. But uh, at this point, uh, I'm definitely at the stage of acceptance. Uh, this is definitely going to be the reality going forward. And uh, we can definitely kind of uh, pontificate upon the scenarios uh, that uh, TLR will be put in. Uh, so say, for example, uh, if, uh, if, if there's like a game where a pitcher is like not necessarily getting a great zone, are we going to necessarily see uh, Tony La Russa storming out of the dugout to uh, absolutely just uh, scream at uh, Angel Hernandez? Like, like are, are we going to see that from him? So uh, a lot of the discussion that we had yesterday at 4040 Club was actually very therapeutic uh, in the sense that uh, with Tony La Russa, we definitely can expect to not, uh, not be outmanaged ever again. Uh, we've got the most winning, winningest, winningest, is that even a word? Yeah, yeah I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have the winningest manager um, in possibly baseball. I think he's like the, I, yeah. he's like top three, I think. But yeah, one of yeah. He's, yeah, he he he's up there. He's up there. He's like one. He's he's won two World Series championships. Like mm-hmm. like he's he's had like ridiculous success with Oakland and uh, St. Louis as well. So uh, in that regard, we have that. Uh, we we have that. Uh, the, the White Sox have that, mm-hmm. uh, which I I think uh, at face value is uh, pretty fantastic. But, uh, yeah, there's also uh, everything else at the same time uh, that still uh, uh, makes me kind of fall under this pattern of scrutiny. So, uh, yeah, uh, some of the early things that I had trouble with was definitely uh, this signing potentially deterring free agents from coming aboard. Um, of course, like someone at, at the top of my list, as well as a lot of other people's lists, uh, Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Stroman is extremely online. Um, I, I love that about him. Uh, he, he likes plenty of tweets. And uh, yeah, it, it's definitely the hobby of some people, um, maybe myself included, to kind of overanalyze uh, someone's likes and kind of assume things about that that person's mentality or character based on those likes. So uh, he did tweet uh, something the other day, and I think I wrote it down. Of course, I don't have the tweet pulled up, even though I have like literally three electronic devices (laughs) in front of me. So Marcus Stroman said that uh, he's allowed to like tweets without them having a direct meaning, who knows what the future holds, and then he, then he expressed some excitement about it. So, I mean, this can be interpreted two things, uh, two ways. So maybe, you know, it's genuine. Maybe um, Marcus Stroman, like, doesn't give a shit about who's managing the White Sox. Um, maybe... Uh, Maybe, uh, yeah, uh, his agent probably told him, like, dude, you have to pull it back. The White Sox might potentially want to give you, like, a giant bag of money. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, so, so don't, don't fuck it up. Uh, you, you, like, like, fix this shit. So I can definitely see that uh, happening right there, too. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, maybe that's a concern. Maybe it isn't. 
but I don't know, um, everything just needs to be evaluated and scrutinized thoroughly, just mainly because at this point, who knows what's real? Like, like, like who knows what, like, is, is objective reality really a thing <laughs> when it comes to baseball media anymore? Like, yeah. I, I questioned the La Russa rumors from day one, and now that it's a real thing, it's just sort of like at this point, like, it, it anything is absurd. Yeah. And I mean... Just to go on a quick tangent, the fact that I had to compartmentalize the Larusa signing has honestly prepared me from the White Sox, like maybe even bringing aboard someone like Trevor Bauer. I was, I was just about <laughs> to say that. I was just about to say it's almost like it it set it up now. Where <laughs> precisely? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's certainly kind of set up that way, where um, we just kind of, even though it's going to initially have a, a bad taste in our mouths mm-hmm. this is the team we follow um this this is kind of what we have to deal with uh and i mean the, the whole common thread through all, all of this is that there is just an arbitrary like billionaire kind of uh, at the helm of all of this yes um <laughs> Uh, yeah, which which objectively is bad in itself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, you, you were you were saying. I was just gonna say, as far as you know, a couple things on that. I think um, that 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 arbitrary billionaire. You've got a situation where you know it's like we know now that that Jerry Reinsdorf, and again, you know, to to be fair, I guess he owns the team, but but also in counter to it, it's like yeah, but an owner is supposed to hire people that they believe can run the team the on the baseball operations side um and we know that he's the one that can ultimately make any decision and and over or supersede any decision that that the people he hired put in you know make um so i think that for the reason that i could say well sure marcus stroman is in play or any of these guys are in play if we pay them enough money um but but we also know that if jr is 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 still has still full decision making power as far as just jumping in that he could come in and say, I'm not giving money, you know, to here, here, or here. So uh, that's what makes me kind of bring all that, all the doubt rush back in as far as, you know, going out and signing all the free agents now. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we are going to take a quick five second break. Uh, No, it's not five seconds. It's more like 30 seconds. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, Anyway, uh, here is a word from our uh, random sponsor that uh, we don't know who is sponsoring us, but but, but we're being sponsored, which is pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Here's that break uh, right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Cool. All right. So if you haven't uh, turned this off in a gustatory sign of disgust, uh, this is the Northside Sox podcast. We have been discussing uh, the acquisition of Tony LaRusso, which has been perhaps the most puzzling baseball decision uh, this year. And that's given the fact that we've played like literally through a global pandemic 
uh, we witnessed potentially someone giving coronavirus to hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, uh, the White Sox have decided to hire a 76-year-old manager, um, someone two years younger than my mother. Uh, I I actually think my mom would make a really great manager. Uh, She absolutely loves this team. one difference between Tony Larusa and my mother is that my mother can actually name White Sox players. <laughs> you mean that your your mom in an introductory press conference announcing her uh, as the manager of the White Sox, she wouldn't just name um, all of the uh, the black players that she had managed throughout her her career <laughs> to somehow say that. She doesn't have a racist bone in her. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think my mom would bring that up. She absolutely would bring up how much she loves Tim Anderson and how mm-hmm. incredibly inspiring it has been to see him blossom between his 2019 season and his 2020 season. She would talk about how his defense has greatly improved. Uh, so I, I'm very proud of my mom in that regard uh, to the fact that she she pays attention to these things. I, I think it's fantastic. So at 78, um, my mom has pretty great baseball, uh, a pretty high baseball IQ. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't doubt that one bit that someone 76 years old, like still retains like a pretty high baseball IQ. Uh, I, I'm, I'm totally OK with the fact that Tony La Russa is old, which is what, what I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in, in this podcast. So, uh, yeah, going back to the optics of this decision in the perhaps most awkward uh, press conference I have seen yeah. uh, in a long time. One of the first things that was addressed uh, was the fact that Tony Larusa might have se- might have said some comments in the past uh, that might uh, potentially raise some questions uh, uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, the fact that the White Sox PR was kind of selling this hard, uh, they released a PDF. Sam, they released a PDF of, of testimonials coming from. <laughs> Players that Larusa had formerly managed, uh, basically uh, saying like, "Yeah, yeah, this is the guy. He's an absolute great guy." I also did see um, a tweet from Bruce Maxwell. Uh, I, I believe it was from a few uh, days ago, uh, also vouching for Larusa. And for those of you uh, who are unfamiliar, Bruce Maxwell was one of the first uh, black players to kind of. Um, Uh, bring social justice issues uh, to light in MLB. Uh, He was absolutely, he he came under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, And apparently LaRusso was one of the few people uh, who who had his back, uh, who actually gave him uh, any support. So uh, I don't think that's been discussed uh, enough. Uh, but again, uh, it's another uh, it's another facet. It's another side of the coin. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. So during the press conference, though itself, uh, it seems it seemed as if a lot of the things he said was very were were very surface skimming. It was all just kind of. Uh, yeah, he supports bat flips if they're sincere. What the hell does yeah, that he, even mean? Mm-hmm. Like, 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 what is an insincere bat flip? What the heck is that? So, uh, yeah, uh, he definitely got on the side saying that he is in support of players being themselves, which, again, might be lip service. I don't know. And I am definitely willing to accept that he might have changed some of his views regarding social justice and the whole Bruce Maxwell thing, uh, certainly, uh, provide some evidence to that. 
but of course, though, I mean, if he actually hasn't, and I know that when it comes to uh, when it comes to social justice views or just even uh, like ideology in particular, it's definitely like not binary. It's definitely very complex. So uh, I don't think he would actually tell someone like Lucas Giolito or Tim Anderson to be like, hey, um, you shouldn't do that. Uh, I, I don't think you should kneel for the anthem. I don't think you should uh, like be, be outspoken towards matters against uh, police violence. Uh, I, I don't think he would do that. I, I think that he would certainly allow these players to be themselves um, in the sense that, uh, yeah, he, he's there simply just to manage the team. Uh, but of course, too, I mean, uh, what I'm trying to get at is, uh, is this really going to affect the team culture? I, I really want to say no. Because essentially, mm -hmm. he's, ju he's just there to, to do baseball, like, when it all boils down to it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I I'm sure a lot of um, the cultural stuff will come into effect as well. I mean, plenty of MLB managers probably have questionable politics, too, and it's not an issue. But, uh, of course, too, when it gets to the point where it's affecting the product on the field, that's when, or, or mm -hmm. if, if, it, if it creates turmoil within the clubhouse, of course, like that's when it could potentially be a problem. And I think you mentioned, you, you mentioned this, I've seen this mentioned a few times, which is the fact that this even has to be discussed is one of the many reasons why this, this was a bad uh, hire, why this was the wrong hire, because in 2020, you know, to, to make a, to hire a, uh, you know, to hire Tony LaRussa and then to have to go and have basically, an, uh, you know, a quarter to almost half of the press conference talking about, um, you know, sort of seeing where he is in terms of his beliefs on players protesting or, or people protesting. And if it's in, in his words, sincere, all of that, the fact that we had to start at this area at this point and then talk about it at all is um is another reason why uh, uh, even just at least the optics are poor and then also the potential to um crumble what is a very strong clubhouse and team culture um to the ground which again i hope is not the case uh like you said he, um some of his comments indicated that yes maybe maybe he's sort of changed his thoughts on these things um but but it, as far as as far as i was thinking about that that's got to be something that we see um you know he himself said that actions speak louder than words. So I think he needs that needs to be put to the test as far as, you know, in a press conference where you just took a job, you know, a pretty uh, high level job um, for a very, you know, stepping in to be able to manage a really good team. Uh, like he said, not a lot of people get to do that. Um, and also taking, uh, taking the job away from Rick Renneria, who, you know what, as much as we had our doubts and, and, and even up to the point of that, um, of his tenure, did a pretty good job. Um, so I think what I'm getting with it was, is that we need to, I, I hope that the pressure and the, um, you know, he is continually, that, that the actions speak louder than words. So he can say these things, but hopefully um, if and when, um, it's not if, but when, you know, Tim Anderson or Aloy Jimenez or anyone flips their bats or, or, or when Aloy wears his jersey, you know, unbuttons, you know, just goes out there with no jersey on or whatever the case may be, or, 
if they're if there's kneeling for the anthem or different ways that they're protesting as the team has shown um we need to see and hold accountable tony larusa the person who has said that his views have changed because if they have changed um then he should we should see that and we should see that we, there should not really be any slip-ups as far as understanding the quote sincerity of um of these things um because right. yeah his comments in the past have have been pretty awful as far as uh, his his lack of understanding as far as why these things happen. And then even in the press conference, while, while yes, he said some of the quote unquote right things um, by talking about the sincerity of, you know, Tony La Russa, uh, has absolutely no place to be speaking, obviously, about the sincerity of players protesting um, uh, police brutality or, 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 or anything across the board. So uh yeah could he have changed absolutely um has he we don't know um hopefully we'll we'll see we'll see throughout throughout his time here if that's if that's the case exactly and i know that uh even if i if i see aloy jimenez with a fully buttoned up jersey with a turtleneck underneath i know the first place i i know exactly who to blame for that so Mm -hmm. Basically, what I'm saying is I better see the same swaggy, fun-ass White Sox team that I saw last year uh, in this upcoming season. And if any of that, even if I get that any of that is toned down, like, we know exactly where to look. Yes. So, I mean, I think being very critical of this move is certainly warranted. It's certainly okay to be critical of the moves this team does. We, We have to hold them accountable. Uh, so I reserve the right to dislike this move, even though I'm still coming to terms with accepting it. Uh, I reserve the right to be mad about it until I see uh, proven results. So mm-hmm. the burden of proof is on him. Yes. Uh, exactly. So he, he certainly needs to show that he can uh, let this team be themselves, but at the same time uh, uh, compensate for uh, some of the uh, short fallings Renteria had like regarding a lot of his bullpen management, um, a lot of um, his lineup management uh, and just win games because that's what we want. Re- regardless of whether you love this move or hate this move, like everyone just wants this team to win. Uh, so th- that that's the common goal we share. Uh, so uh, continuing on uh, some of the things that I've read uh, just uh, make this this decision seem more bizarre by the minute like 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 every new piece of information about this acquisition that this signing whatever the hell to call it i don't know (laughs) uh it it just gets more bizarre so uh apparently jerry reinsdorf had to call tony larusa and convince him to take this job uh my big question is why why does tony larusa even want this job uh, he's already well well accomplished. He's already won like two World Series championships. Uh, he's like a, a Hall of Famer. Uh, like, he, he in just looking at his baseball resume, he seems like he's like done. He's already yeah. accomplished. Yeah. Like what what else more can he achieve with 
um, with returning to baseball. I mean, uh, beyond that, uh, he's been uh, a part of the Angels organization uh, for the past couple of years, I think. I, I don't know the exact details there. But uh, does he even know anything about the White Sox uh, since he managed them last? Uh, <laughs> just uh, exactly. Like, like in his presser, everything uh, seemed surface skimming, whether it came from his uh, views on um, uh, just player behavior in the game to just the team itself. Uh, it, it definitely seemed as if uh, he had had a, a lot of work to do regarding that because I, I honestly didn't really see that. And uh, this is still taking into consideration that, yeah, he's one of the most accomplished managers and potentially all of baseball history. Uh, so in that regard, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out his motivations. So, so treating yeah. Tony Larusa like a fictional character for a brief moment, like if, if we're reading a book and we see this character Tony Larusa, he's being brought in uh, by Jerry Reinsdorf, um, his his old friend. So, uh, if, if this was a book or a buddy comedy, like why does he take this job? Is it because um, he just misses his old pal Jerry and wants to be like? around him all the time um for first of all this book and or buddy comedy is already horrible like, this is all this is this is already something i have no interest in watching altogether. but yeah like do, do you think he has a motivation for being the, the white Sox manager i mean not really i think jerry has motivation for like you said their friends but also you know it, it's the organ you know he he feels like one of the 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 fact that the organization fired him uh, originally, and then he went on to have all the success. I think Jerry's motivation is to make up for um, a mistake that he felt that the organization made. Um, but again, though, that's not how this stuff works slash should work. Um, you don't, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that, that he might feel bad that there was that, you know, 30 years ago or for whatever, uh, they, they, they let Larusa go. And actually Larusa spoke about it in, I don't know if it was the conversation with Benetti or in the press conference that, um, he did hold like some sort of resentment for, you know, the, the, for Reinsdorf who ultimately, you know, let, let him go and, and had to kind of uproot his family and, and all that kind of stuff, um, basically getting fired. But, uh, and of course they're, they're very good friends now, but um, as far as why he's coming back, it doesn't make a lot of sense. LaRusse doesn't have anything to prove. Uh, that's the other thing. Um, you know, he, like you said, you read off his resume, um, multiple world series championships, hall of famer. Uh, even the Hall of Fame committee that that voted him in was surprised and, and honestly, I think somebody said disturbed was the was the word, which <laughs> was interesting um, because they said wow. that, that a lot of them apparently under their from their understanding could, they they thought that once a once someone was inducted into the Hall of Fame that that was it that they didn't they wouldn't have continued um, time as a manager or as a I guess as a player for that matter, but. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think that there's really any reason other than, yeah, maybe he's just bored. Um, but, and as he said, he was still involved in the game, you know, in, in special advisor and, and all those kinds of things. But uh, what was it with the Angels, I believe, or with the Diamond? I don't know where he most recently was. Um, but Angels, it's just, yeah. Yeah, Angels. But it's just to say that um, as far as how things work now, 
uh, no, I think that it's, it's highly inappropriate to, to just give the job to a buddy. Uh, also to give the job to someone that maybe you feel like you want, you owed them something because, you know, again, Larissa's had a spectacular, um, you know, on the field career and in the dugout and all that. Um, there's nothing left to prove for him. So yeah, I mean, the best, the best thing I could say is that maybe he was just bored. Uh, and that's really, and, and, and this is the other thing too. You think about um, the process of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just give a quick example. So they, they, Bob Nightingale had reported that another in, person they had interviewed, seemingly the only other person they'd interviewed was former Sox uh, superstar, Willie Harris, one of my favorite players. Uh, one of my all-time, yeah, yeah. I, I love I, Willie Harris, I love, absolutely. I love him too. Um, a guy who has uh, had managerial experience in the minor leagues. Uh, looks like that's something that he wants to, you know, pr- continue to pursue, may- hopefully for a major league position down the road. So again, you interview Willie Harris, um, who, as we can look at now, really never had a chance at it. Um, and Willie Harris would probably, you know, do anything for this, for this opportunity or any opportunity as a major league manager. Um, and Jerry, and meanwhile, LaRusa seemingly didn't even want it until Jerry Reinsdorf convinced him of it. And so if, if the first qualification for a job is wanting it, then LaRusa didn't even have that. And it's honestly, and that's one of the other really, really, um, I keep using this word unfortunate, but it's really not strong enough to say that you had a, uh, a actively, you know, Willie Harris, who has been coaching and, and, and trying to get on that path of these opportunities. And let's say that was the other person they interviewed. And it was always just going to go to the guy who needed to be convinced of the job as opposed to the guy that really, really, again, uh, has not only probably more qualified from a standpoint of actually working in the game, coaching and all that kind of stuff, uh, at least in the last 10 years. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really sad that that's the way that it went. Um, but, um, you know, I guess if Jerry Reinsdorf is happy, then that's all he cares about. And, uh, and he showed us that. Exactly. Again, it's optics. Yes. So, uh, I mean, they, they interviewed, and I use the word uh, interview very loosely. They interview a mi- minority candidate, a, a black man. And uh, with Renteria's firing, of course, we have even less minority managers in baseball. And they interviewed Willie Harris without the intention of giving him the job, which uh, is very NFL-like to me. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's shady. Um, I, I, the more I think about that, just the more upset I yeah. even get. So, um, and I mean. Nightingale reported that, the, that if, if LaRusa wasn't interested, or I guess now that we know if LaRusa couldn't be convinced into taking a head coaching job or a managerial job in, in the major leagues, then uh, I guess Bruce Bochy was next on the list, which as we had discussed in the last podcast, that was at least someone for me that I, I liked that name, uh, at least far more than LaRusa now in retrospect. Um, so even, even interviewing uh, Willie Harris, he wasn't even, like you said, he was never going to get the job, uh, as, as we know from this thing. But the second choice was another manager that would have had to have been convinced in, into coming back into managing, as opposed to someone who was actively coaching and looking to get that, that shot and that opportunity. Um, so it's just a lot of bad, really, all around as far as the front end of, of how this is, is working out. Precisely. There were so many qualified candidates. There were so many candidates that would have made sense and mm-hmm. would definitely align with um, what would be a good fit uh, to manage this White Sox team. So uh, a slight segue, uh, the Tigers uh, wasting no time 
have picked up AJ Hinch. And so I uh, certainly want to destroy the binary that uh, Hinch and Tony LaRusso were the only two managers available. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that is definitely not true. Uh, I, I actually think this is a really good move for the Tigers. Um, I, I didn't want Hinch to manage the White Sox either. Uh, I know uh, I always say that catchers make the best managers, uh, but uh, given his recent involvement with the Astros cheating scandal, I really didn't want any part of that. But I don't doubt that Hinch could uh, retire to, or, or I don't, I don't think Hinch could. Um, or, or, or what am I trying to say here? I don't doubt that Hinch uh, can't return to baseball is essentially what I'm saying. But uh, the White Sox just were not the right organization to do so with. So uh, to see him return to the Tigers, they're definitely a team that is also rebuilding. And in a sense, he's rebuilding too. So he's reestablishing his reputation. The Tigers are kind of establishing themselves uh, as a rebuilding team. They've got that exciting young um, pitching staff uh, so lots of really interesting things uh, going on there. So I, I think that's a great fit, honestly. Yeah, and, and I, I really like the point you made, um, even when, we were, when we've been talking about the last couple of weeks about, you know, it, it, where I, you had made the point where Hinch, it would probably be, you know, sure, he doesn't need a lifetime banishment from the game, but if he does come back in, it would maybe as a bench coach or something to kind of build himself back up. And as I noted to you last night, probably the – the the next thing uh, if you're not going to be a bench coach is to manage a team like the tigers that is still uh, quite a few years away from from contending um so yeah you know he gets he gets another shot um uh, i i think that there was something and we i know that this is not white Sox business but it, it is just as the petty fan in me looking at a lot of people looking it's talking about how oh the tigers got hinch and it was almost like they're gonna you know all of a sudden they're gonna be contenders <laughs> like well wait 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 now, I still think that doesn't take away from the fact that it's probably a good move for the organization. Um, but it, as we're talking about it now, though, it does get me back to this idea that, you know, A.J. Hinch is a guy that, regardless of his exact involvement, was oversaw a team that, that was responsible for, you know, the greatest cheating scandal uh, in, in baseball history, um, at least, and gets a job immediately after he is uh, right after he's eligible when his ban for the year or, or suspension is up. Um, and I do th go back to Willie Harris for a second uh, and a number of, of um, other, you know, uh, potential managers that are coaching throughout the minor league systems or as bench coaches or as um, pitching coaches or hitting coaches or, or bullpen, whatever the case may be. Uh, it speaks to this, and again, we could do a whole series of podcasts on this, but it does speak to a much larger issue to me that I'm not saying Hinch wasn't qualified for that position. You know, he had success as a manager, obviously. Um, but it's like the minute that, uh, and, and, you know, again, the LaRusso hire is worse than the, the Hinch hire in this way by far. But the fact that Hinch gets a job immediately after he's not literally unable to get a job because of a suspension for overseeing, the team that uh, had the greatest cheating scandal baseball history. And then he gets it immediately. Uh, again, I think even that optically isn't great. I'm not comparing the two because again, if, if, and if people wanted to me to compare the two, yes, the LaRusso one looks worse. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, I feel, I do feel bad for uh, those, those candidates that are out there, you know, working their ass off, uh, trying to get any position in the major leagues, um, any coaching position only to see guys who, 
haven't co- haven't managed in 10 years who are friends with owners or guys that were uh, oversaw, you know, that, that were banished from the game for a year only to come back immediately after and, and get right back into a, a head uh, managerial role. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't think the financials of the Larusa signing has been released yet. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, say for instance, uh, I, I, I think it's probably what, like three years and yeah. he, he, he's probably not getting a substantial amount of money. So maybe the silver lining in all of this means that uh, more money can go towards free agents, which is a, uh, I mean, that's a misnomer right there. there there's always money for free agents. It's, yeah. just, it's just whether or not ownership is willing, willing to spend. So that is the tale as old as time. So, uh, just at this point, uh, I, I am a little bit further in the stage of acceptance. I think like the more I talk about it, uh, the more, um, just the reality kind of sits in that this is essentially what we as White Sox fans will have to deal with. And, and hopefully it's a great, a good thing to deal with. So I'm perfectly open to, uh, Larusa being a successful manager. I want him to be a successful manager. Of course I do. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I know uh, I was very critical of the decision early on. A lot of people were, um, and, and we have every right to be. And I, I, I feel as if I will remain critical until I see results on the field. So uh, yeah, I absolutely will be happy if Larusa is, is, is successful with this team and no one can tell me otherwise. So yeah, and, and I think starting, you know, it's it kind of goes back. I think you had tweeted something that was like, or maybe it was, you had texted me. I don't remember exactly. Uh, it was all the last few days have been a blur as far as White Sox content. But um, there was, you had said that, you know, the organization took something like, what was it, nine or ten steps back with this with this move as far as, and, and I think it's it's true where you had you had extreme momentum going into this this hire. And then you make the hire. And then all of a sudden you set, you know, we don't know what the impact is going to be. Obviously you and I, you know, I'm in complete agreement with you as far as our, our hopes, but, at the, but as far as expectations of having to kind of start back now and then hope that it's not going to fall flat. It's just such an, it was so avoidable. Um, and yet the fact that we sit here today, having to say, having to accept a managerial hair as opposed to celebrating one or being excited about it. Uh, is really, I think that you know speaks for all we're trying to say here. Um, Precisely. If yeah. I even see that Jose Abreu is wearing one less chain, or it were like, <laughs> or has to like, shave, has to shave his face or something, <laughs> or, or or has to remove his his beard ponytail or, or anything like that. Uh, I, I like we know exactly where to look. Yes. So. Anyway, um, that will wrap up the baseball portion, uh, the scary baseball portion of this (laughs) podcast. So, all right, uh, going on to the horror movie draft. So I actually, while I was preparing for this last night, I was Mm -hmm. kind of like like doing some fantasy research and kind of looking at um, like who would be some of my potential draft picks. And I'm just like, have I ever seen a horror movie before? (laughs) And I just kind of went on uh, this tailspin. I actually watched a movie last night. Oh. Uh, and 
Yeah, uh, it's on Netflix, a, a Korean uh, movie called uh, Alive, uh, which is a zombie flick. Um, uh, yeah, zombie flicks are uh, perhaps like my, my favorite types, uh, a scary movie. Uh, not to foreshadow uh, of what uh, some of my picks may be, but I thought it was pretty frightening. Uh, that may, maybe that's why I couldn't sleep last night. So... <laughs> I wasn't thinking about just completely being devoured by flesh-eating zombies or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, have, have we even determined uh, who gets the first pick? Uh, I don't – yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the first pick, I think, uh, if, if you will take it, unless you're going to defer it. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. My first pick is Dawn of the Dead. That's a great pick. That's a yeah, great pick. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just the original classic Romero uh, okay. kind of. Uh, I, I honestly just love the, the the metaphor for capitalism right there. Just. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now wait. Remind. That's that's the that's in the mall. Or yes. is that? Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just a really great zombie movie uh, yeah. with the commentary on. Um, uh, consumerist capitalism there i, I actually huh. i haven't seen it in a while I, I just remember it being one of my favorite movies so may, maybe i'll give that one a a spooky rewatch there you go that's a great first pick uh with my first pick in the horror draft um i'm taking the original texas chainsaw massacre uh you know i'm i'm a really big horror movie fan and i feel like when i talk when people ask me what my favorite is um it always seems to go back to that because it's like the first time to me that you had it kind of came around the time that or I think even a little bit before a lot of the slashers of the eighties. Um, yeah. Cause the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was in the seventies. So it was like the slasher movies to me were all kind of like fun or like kind of just goofy in a lot of ways. But this was one that came around before a lot of those and was just really depraved and was like the first time that there was very little hope or, or even fun. It wasn't a fun movie. It's just a really, uh, a really scary and raw horror movie. So that's my number one pick, the Texas Chainsaw Mask or the original. Excellent pick. So I actually haven't seen that. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. That's one I'd add to the list if if, if you're up for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so honestly, slasher movies make me a little uncomfortable. I don't okay. know why. Uh, I am okay with zombies just like puking and bleeding <laughs> and just like being just like fucking gross all the time. So I, I like, I, I don't know. Maybe I just have a thing with knives. Maybe that's just it. Uh, so. Uh, for the it, it, actually for the second round, I am going to completely uh, backflip on everything I just said and go with the original scream for my second round pick. That's a great that's so, great value in the second round. <laughs> it was actually one of the first scary movies I was allowed to see growing up, and so as a result, of course, like it just like scared the the fucking shit out of me <laughs> uh and i just think like the opening scene with drew barrymore i think is perhaps one of the most iconic opening scenes of like all time like i i still think about that like <laughs> like, like it, it, i i saw like a, a, a instagram meme the other day uh that featured drew barrymore and uh, the ghost face killer uh, uh -huh. at the same time and, and then they're like all happy and like like chummy and pointing at each <laughs> other and uh yeah so, so 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 it definitely like brought that uh back to life for me so 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 maybe i will give that a rewatch i don't think i've seen it like since i was 11 so uh, it's, it's been a while it's definitely been a while 
Yeah, if you and I'll just throw I'll tag onto that and say if you haven't seen Scream for for the listeners out there, you should go watch that like tonight. Like it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. Um, so my second yes. round pick is uh, Drag Me to Hell. Uh, if you've ever ah, seen that. So, ah. <laughs> yeah, people. That was yo man. That was gonna be my third round pick. Oh, did, was was it on your list? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what. I I'm no, happy. no 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 you could take it you could take it absolutely I'm, I was gonna say though I'm happy though that we that we I'm actually happy that we picked that we have the same one on, on and I'm happy that you had this in your draft because I think that it's like one of the most underrated horror movies ever because I just remember seeing it in theaters years ago and being like this is everything I want from a movie specifically a horror movie it was it's very funny uh it is scary uh, enough um it's just a blast. I think Justin Long is in it, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Allison Lohman plays the lead in that. And yes. I used to have a really big crush on Allison Lohman. Tried to interview her in high school for a radiothon. Uh, was informed that she like was done acting. I was kind of sad to hear that. Um, I don't know if there's been an update. That was that was quite a few years ago. So maybe she's back in acting. I'm not sure. But Drag Me to Hell is just a blast. Um, I think I'm actually watching that later today, even. So. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so uh, back in my my librarian days, uh, so I actually tried to uh, put on quite a lot of Halloween programming uh, for the teens that I worked with uh, in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, and so uh, one of the rules is that like if you are going to show movies in the library, uh, they can't be uh, rated R. Everything has to be PG thirteen. And it's, and of course, like the kids would be like, Miss Janice, can we watch a scary movie on Halloween? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. And I'm like, Oh, oh shit. Like, are there any like horror movies that are PG thirteen? And uh, alas, Cabin in the Woods uh, is PG thirteen. Uh, I didn't so know that. that. I thought it was R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely kind of more of like a gross out movie. I think there there's like a couple of cusses thrown here and there, but it's it's not outwardly violent. I don't think um, from 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 what I remember. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the kids loved it though. Like. They, they completely think that they're watching a, um, a completely forbidden, uh, taboo, rated R movie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, for any librarians listening to this, cab- or, uh, Drag Me to Hell is a, the, the perfect, perfect <laughs> teen library movie. All right. Uh, so uh, for the third round, okay, seeing as how I can't pick Drag Me to Hell... <laughs> Uh, my third round pick is 28 Days Later. That's a great, great pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, again, uh, I, I love zombie shit. Zombie shit is my jam. Uh, so uh, 28 Days Later. Uh, I, I, I also want to give um, uh, honorable mention to 28 Weeks Later. I, I thought that was maybe one of the best sequels uh, perhaps to follow uh, a pretty fantastic movie as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though I picked 28 Days Later, uh, there's a scene from 28 Weeks Later that is just completely burned into my retinas, and that's when um, uh, two of the uh, the zombies are locked in a room together, and uh, you just see the thumbs go. Uh, the I, I guess like the doctor or the scientist. It's it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> he's essentially like just pushing his his thumbs into this woman's skull and you, you, you just see like her eyes being gouged out and like it, it's it's like 
it's disgusting. It's absolutely gross. And I know, like I said earlier, that I'm not a gore person, uh, but this was perhaps one of the uh, rare instances where, like, gore just did it for me in that regard. So that is my third round pick. And I think that also was, I don't know if it was, I can't say if it was the first time, but it was, they, those were fast zombies, if I remember correctly. They were, uh, yes. Yeah, which, fast zombies, yeah. Which is a pretty, which is a, another, another layer in the, in the uh, skill set of, of zombies, which is pretty scary. Um, so for my third pick, I'm taking uh, The Strangers, uh, which mm. for my money is about as scary of a movie um, for, for me that I've ever seen. Um, based simply because I'm absolutely, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a unique thing, but I am especially scared of home invasions. And, uh, for, for people who have seen the strangers, uh, it's pretty terrifying and it portrays a home invasion. Um, and, uh, another one that's pretty like low key, there's not, um, an immense amount, there is gore, but it's not, it's not a ton. It's more kind of a lot of psychological, um, um, scares in there, horror, um, so yeah, uh, definitely watch that one uh, unless you like live out in some sort of like uh, woodsy area, um, then maybe you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like if you live out in the middle of nowhere, it may not be the best, but, uh, but yeah, uh, The Strangers is my third pick. I actually have not seen that. Uh, okay. So uh, I, I have, I I have plenty of, I have plenty of plans today, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for my fourth pick, I am going to go with, um, uh, let's see here. I got a list of stuff here. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a, a recent pick. I'm going to go with Hereditary. That's a really good pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's something that I still think about quite a bit. Uh, Anne Dowd is in it. Uh, she's in a lot of scary media. Uh, she's absolutely frightening in The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, she's pretty damn scary in this one, too. Uh, so without any uh, further spoilers, uh, yeah, uh, Hereditary just completely just scared the pants off me. So that is my fourth round pick. Yeah, there, there's there's a scene, and I, I won't say what it is, but there is a scene that you know that I'm talking about that there's certain times like in my in my history of going to movies where there's just those like scenes where it like, it like has, it like impacts the whole crowd and you just feel it. It's like that whole thing. And that there's a scene in that, that was right at the top of the list of, um, of pretty stunning crowd reactions (laughs) or audience (laughs) reactions. Anyway, uh, with my fourth pick, um, I've got a movie that came out a, a couple of years ago called terrifier. Um, if you're, if you're familiar with that one, um, it's, it kind of went under the radar. I think that within like horror circles, it's, it's kind of a, more of a cult, uh, I don't know about a classic, but in my, for my money, it will be at some point, but, uh, it's, um, it's, you know, killer clown basically, but it is very, (laughs) uh, very, very gory, unbelievably like extreme gore. Um, and, uh, very scary too, but it kind of came out a couple of years ago. I think there's a sequel coming out soon, which I'm excited to see. Um, but yeah, if, if for, for fans of not a ton of gore, uh, I would steer away from this one. There's uh, one of the most yeah. like, gory scenes I think I've ever seen. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> terrifying. So, so, so probably not for me. I'm, I'm just going to stick no. with my eye, eyeball scene in 28 yeah. weeks later. Yeah. Then, in that yes. Case. All right. <laughs> 
All right. So for my final, for, for the last round mm -hmm. pick uh, to round out my team, uh, my, my, my fifth man here, uh, I am going to go with something that came out in just the last year. Um, uh, the Invisible Man. Uh, I, man, speaking of just visceral audience reactions, uh, there is a scene in that movie that I absolutely did not see coming. Uh, you're just absolutely just taken aback by this. I, I, I might have screamed in the theater. Um, <laughs> I, 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 like, I, everyone did. It, it was just like just thinking about it too. I'm, I don't know if I could watch it again. I, I might have to skip over that one scene that I won't talk about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss is in it. Uh, she is in this incredibly um, kind of totalitarian abusive relationship uh, with this uh, with this tech bro. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he essentially just uses this invisible suit to kind of harass and uh, make her life a living hell. Uh, and just uh, the ten the tension in this movie is absolutely like so well done. Uh, so, so in recent history, like that has to be my my favorite scary movie that has come out within the, at least the past year. Yeah, that was a really fun one, and and it also was another um, performance that Elizabeth Moss can add to her really pretty stellar uh, acting career. She's as good as it gets, I think for actresses nowadays but um for actors nowadays but yeah she's she was really great and uh yeah that's that's a nice that's a nice a nice value pick in the fifth round um i my pick is a little bit different uh for my fifth and final pick of the horror movie draft here on north side of the Sox, um i'm taking not one not two but hostile three the third film in the hostile uh the third, third installment in the hostile franchise um, so if you've seen Hostel 3, then I feel like we need to start like a, uh, if either you or any of our listeners have seen Hostel 3, then we need to start like a group and all like seven of us can, uh, you know, meet monthly and just discuss different elements of the film. Um, but yeah, I, I like all, I really like the Hostel, uh, series and, or, or films, but Hostel 3 is like the most like batshit and also just extraordinarily dumb but uh, unbelievably fun uh movie um and with all of its flaws uh it it i'm gonna take it with that fifth round value you know maybe getting some maybe getting some clock at the end of games but the fact is 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 uh it can really you know score in in uh score in bunches and not a lot of time <laughs> so uh yeah hostile three is my final pick of the horror draft Oh my goodness. Oh, I, so I actually have not seen any of the hostile movies. So uh, I'm going to take your word for it though. You are certainly more so the expert uh, in this <laughs> round, but, but we've got plenty of free agents. Uh, so if, if any uh, of our picks uh, get injured through the season, uh, some of my other uh, free agent picks, uh, Cabin in the Woods, I thought was also a highly enjoyable movie. Uh, again, uh, zombies, uh, again, w with also to the uh, commentary on uh, reality television, too, uh, kind of coming into play there. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, I think, also mm -hmm. is one of my other favorite scary movies, too. Um, uh, and, yeah, just one that I thought was absolutely hilarious at the same time. I, I really love a horror movie that can make me laugh as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, especially if there's like the laughs, if there's the laughs, but there's also enough scares in there, then that's really when you can can nail a good one. Um, 
and yeah, there, I, I mean, there's a couple off the top of my head. I, I know Saw would have been probably just off the list as far as the first Saw. The other ones I can't really speak for, but the first Saw is a uh, was a pretty uh, clever and innovative movie in a way to incorporate kind of that that gore. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, there's I could go out. I could probably you know we could do many podcasts on the different horror movies I would recommend, but uh, I think we gave some good ones if people want to um, close out October. Uh, on some with some horror movie marathons all right cool so in that regard uh that this wraps up a spooky edition of the north side socks <laughs> podcast uh the second episode now in the bag so uh yeah let us know what you think uh so who uh so who won the draft was it me was uh <laughs> Was it Sam? Uh, was it both of us? Well, we'll, we'll say we both won. We, we, we picked some pretty good movies. Uh, so I, ha I haven't seen like two of yours. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to uh, do some movie watching tonight. But we both agree that Drag Me to Hell, like owned. Like absolutely. Like one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you, you talked about someone getting their eyes gouged out by a zombie. And I actually think that that was only like the third scariest thing that we uh, talked about on the, on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So uh, for North side socks, a South side socks podcast, I'm Janice Scurrio. I'm Sam Sherman. Signing off until next time. Happy Halloween.